This comes from the mindset that it is more important to be to have perfection with your with your script than connection. We say connection, not perfection. Welcome to the Inspire Podcast, where we examine what it takes to intentionally inspire. I'm your host, Bart Agnell, President and CEO of The Humphrey Group. And if you've ever asked yourself, how can you develop an authentic leadership presence? Or how can you tell stories that have people hanging off every word? Well, then this podcast is for you. And it's not just for executives. This is a podcast for anyone who wants to influence and inspire others in their work, but also in their life. Hey, and welcome back to the Inspire Podcast. Today, we talk executive presence. And if you've ever wondered what is presence, why do some people have it, can you project it, and what does it take to do so authentically, this is the episode you need to listen. I'm very fortunate to have Maggie Hushlack, a longtime consultant at the Humphrey Group, someone who is a highly acclaimed actor and exceptional at teaching presence on the program. And I'll just get right into it because there's so much great stuff there. I encourage you to listen, but also to do the exercises that she has me do. It's well worth the time. And now the episode. All right. My guest on today's episode of the Inspire Podcast is Maggie Hushalak. Maggie, welcome. Hi. You've been in the Humphrey Group uh, as long as I have. We That's both right. joined in 2001, an eternity ago. So we've come up through the business together. And, and you in that time have developed uh, really an international reputation with our clients for the exceptional work you do on helping them achieve presence. Maggie, what does it mean to have a leader's presence? The direct route to achieving a leader's presence is human connection with your audience. And I imagine that that's really important because if you're trying to influence them, if you're trying to inspire them with your thinking, you have to be connected with them. If a human does, being does not feel that the other is invested in making human connection with them, they actually don't care about your ideas. Well, I think, and now, like we live in this world of distraction, right? We live in a world where we have competition for our attention. People are trying to monetize our attention. So that ability to be present is increasingly important for someone who wants to actually lead. People are hungry for human connection. So when you look at presence, I mean, you spent two decades teaching presence. What are some of the things that you see that may dissipate or diminish presence? Are there, are there some broad categories that, that you've observed? Yeah. Uh, we look at how much space people are taking up, what their body is doing, what kind of height they're achieving, width and depth in terms of being grounded with their energy. We look at what kind of eye contact people are, are, are being able to achieve. Are they actually making authentic eye contact? Are they building relationship when they look at someone? Or is it a kind of phony, <laughs> fake, uh, pretend contact? They're glancing, glancing at people and they're not actually building authentic relationship with every opportunity. We look at the pace, the delivery, the, with regards to the delivery system. Are people literally speaking too quickly? 
so that people, they're actually in the future of their text or they're in the past, or they're speaking too slowly, they're in the past. They're not in the present. They're not exploiting the value of the word they're using and also the, the, the long meaning of this, the long arm of the meaning of the sentence. One thing I'm, I'm also interested in your opinion on is when you look at all of these things and you look at how people are creating or not creating connection, people are very di different. Yeah. How do you think about presence relative to authenticity? Yeah, great, great. Yeah, every human being around the table when we, when we deliver our courses or even 101, each person has their own unique, delicious, authentic humanity. And that's precisely what needs to be present. <laughs> now, so this work is not about uh, donning some phony baloney $3 bill of, of a cloak of a pretense or a persona. It's not about putting something false on. It's really our work is, a, is about identifying for people what they can actually shed, what they can take away in order for their authentic self to be manifested. Don't they lose? I mean, don't you lose yourself if you're taking things away that you just do naturally? Well, what, we, what I often say to people is what is comfortable is not necessarily what is powerful. Hmm. So one might feel very comfy sitting back in the chair with their sits bones really far forward and their arms folded over their chest. Uh, and that may be comfortable and they may be, feel that they're, they're, they are their authentic self, which is true. They are comfy. However, it's, uh, they are undermining their ability to inspire because they're imbalanced in these traits of power, intelligence, and compassion. Really what's happening is that they're over, they're over, um, they're, they're imbalanced in, in there's too much compassion. It's too relaxed. It's too easy peasy. So what I'm hearing is to project presence authentically doesn't just mean being 100% comfortable. It means thinking about how do I want to reach someone and what do I want them to f not only think but feel and perhaps moving yourself into a place of discomfort to do that. What is getting in the way of me actually being present and therefore allowing other people to be present? Because if I'm not present, I give permission for the audience to be absent as well. And I see, I'll give you an example of where I saw that. You know, I was rehearsing a CEO for an investor day, and we, he stood up, I had him go to the podium, yeah. and he said, good morning, uh, it's nice to welcome you here. And I said, you just welcome the podium. <laughs> you just welcome the podium. And it, and it hit him that he had just given the audience a signal that they didn't need to be present because he wasn't connected with them. That's right. So the, the next time he did, he looked up and he said, good morning and waited. And people actually had to look up from their phones. So when, the, when he eventually did it, they looked up from their phones and he waited until they looked at him. He said, welcome. Yeah. And you know, it was just a t that opening two lines delivered to the audience created the connection and demanded their attention. If we get nervous and we're in front of our audience, we think, okay, I'm just gonna go away for a minute and I'm gonna gather my thoughts. I'm gonna just <laughs> stop making eye contact and reemerge strong. But my proposition is that people want you to do well and they are dying for connection. Mm -hmm. 
so that when we get nervous or off our pins or destabilized, that the direct route to refinding our, our power and our, on our, and our audience-centeredness is to, to make more connection with the audience, to strive harder to connect, because when people are connected with, they feel good. And when we are in connection, we feel good. Okay, so Maggie, we've talked about presence, why it's so important for leaders. But let's get into, and I don't think anyone listening would disagree with it. You know, it's important to have presence. It's important for it to be authentic. But let's get into the work of how you actually help someone develop presence. And I I am willing to offer myself up as a guinea pig here. Uh, And so I would love if you would take me through and take people listening through the beginnings of how you work on presence. So Maggie, I know a lot of people are listening to this while they commute. Some are listening in the office. What is the ideal logistical setup that people should embrace now if they want to go through these exercises? Find a chair in your home that's private and sit in it. Okay, or <laughs> shut the door to your office if you have one. That's right. Or go to a conference room. So that's right. Find, that, a, find a, a, a private space with a chair. Yeah. I am ready. Okay. Let's do it. All right. So I'd like to revisit the three traits that I mentioned at the beginning, which are power, intelligence, and compassion. I want you to think about those three words. And I'd like you to consider where your body is in space right now. Where you're, when you're sitting in your chair, where your shoulders are, where your butt is in relationship to the back of the chair, what your feet are doing, what your arms are doing. And consider those three words, power, intelligence, and compassion. Can you make an adjustment to achieve those three traits in better balance. And if you can, clock what you actually did there. So you made an adjustment. I made an adjustment. Yeah, you did. So so tell me what you did. So I was sitting with one leg crossed. I was sitting with my shoulders pulled in. I'm a cyclist and a desk jockey, so I have my my shoulder problems. Um, And so I, I balanced my weight. On you know, I, I uncrossed my legs, I balanced my weight, and I also had a bit of arm closure, and so I've opened up my arms. Beautiful, yeah. The f- I saw you get taller. You sat up yes. straight. You achieved more height up. And then what you did is you literally got wider because you uncrossed your arms and your shoulders broadened. And that means you took up more space sideways on both sides. But what I find really, really thrilling is that most people find that their legs are crossed and they uncross them. And instinctually, when they think about power, they uncross their legs and get their feet in the ground, which is what you did. And what this is, is not not only heightening yourself, widening yourself, but you're kind of, you're achieving a metaphoric depth you're getting your feet in the ground and getting deeper in the ground. Hmm. It'd be interesting for people listening to see if they did the same thing. I mean, uh, yeah, I would like that too. Are, what's, what are some other things that people should reflect on about the adjustment that they may have made? We know that some people take up too much space. We see around a boardroom, uh, a, a human being may lean back in the chair sprawl. with their sprawl or, or put one arm on the chair beside them and the other chair on the chair on the other chair beside them. We've even seen leaders with their feet on the desk. <laughs> That's a huge amount of space to take up. We see in women 
And uh, I don't see it in men very often, but we see women hugging us the side of a chair so that they're actually not even taking up one full chair. So when you're making this adjustment, really strive to go to, to personalize the adjustment you made. What did you do? And now I'd like, you to, I'd like to take you through an exercise to think about this idea of grounding yourself. Okay. It's just two minutes. Let's do it. But I'm going to ask you to stand up. Okay. So everyone who's going through this stands as well. I, I'm putting myself up for science here or for presence, so we can all do it. So I want you to consider where your hip bones are and find a place with your feet that is directly under those hip bones. Not too wide, not too narrow, okay? And see if you can find uh, feet up in parallel and how that feels. Just bring that sort of, are you in the ground there? You feel I feel, I feel grounded, okay, yes. Great. Got my knees slightly bent, my arms are at my side. Fantastic, so can you please uh, have your hands by your sides and relax your shoulders. And I want you to close your eyes. And see if you can let go of any tension that you don't need in order to achieve this relaxed stance. And now I'd like you simply to tune into your breathing. I don't want you to change your breathing at all. I want you to simply observe it and bring awareness to what part of your body is expanding most with every breath. Just really we don't do this. We never just stand and go, okay, oh, I'm a breathing organism. Fantastic. And now what I'd like you to do is put in your imagination that there's a helium balloon and it's full of helium. It's attached to a string. And that string is attached to the crown of your head, the very center of your head. And because it's full of helium, the balloon is floating up to the ceiling and I want you to imagine that your head is actually being encouraged by this floating object to follow it up to the ceiling bringing the, your length into the back of your neck and you might have to drop your chin ever so slightly to achieve this lengthening in the back of the neck and as your head floats up out of the mechanism of the neck can you bring awareness to the back of the neck and even the spine? Is there any space that you're achieving a little more between those vertebrae because the head is floating up out of the skeleton gently? Fantastic. You look fantastic, Bart. You're so, you're so straight and aligned. And now what I'd like you to do is bring your awareness to the soles of your feet and consider the relationship between your feet and the ground. What kind of weight is your body applying to the ground through your feet? And is there an equal and opposite weight coming up from the ground into your feet? Can you imagine that there is a relationship there? And the final thing I'd like you to do is I'd like you to now, this is an imaginative act, I'd like you to imagine that you're a tree, a tree of your choice in the forest of your choice. And I want you to start building your root system down, 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 down from your feet, down, strong, healthy roots, down into the ground as deep as you are tall. And then build that root system around you in a root ball around your feet. And just consider this stability 
of grounding. Roots in the ground. Now, with keeping your root system top of mind, don't let it go. I want you to open your eyes and make eye contact with me, but keep your root system top of mind. And now I want you to move around the space a little bit, just a couple of steps. Pull up your roots, move, and see if you can refine your roots. See if you can refine your grounding and then move a couple of steps. Fantastic. And see if you can refine your grounding. Now sit in the chair and see if you can hold onto your grounding to your feet while you're seated. Can you find your roots in the ground? It's harder in the chair. <laughs> it, it is, isn't it? But we, because we have more than two grounds now, we have our butt, which is our ground, and we also have our hands, which might be grounded on the chair itself or on our thighs. So you can let that go now. Okay. Well done, Bart. What was your experience of that exercise? Well, I realized I slouch. <laughs> yes. And it, it, I felt like I was present, like I was more physically in, in line with my breathing and my body and, and connected. It was challenging though, I will say, you know, it didn't feel, it didn't feel entirely natural. No, no. I imagine it would take a lot of work to get to the point where it does feel natural, but it did feel more powerful and more connected. Good, good. My, my meditation teacher says, you wanna be the flagpole you don't want to be the flag. <laughs> and with this grounding, top of mind, when you come into a group of people, whether it's two people or standing, meeting a leader, your senior leader in a hallway, or having to deliver a, 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 a town hall to 50 people or 100 people, or just having a one-on-one -on -one conversation, when you find yourself in the ground, it's deeply stabilizing. But not only for you, it's deeply stabilizing for the other person. The reason you want to be the flagpole is not for you to achieve some powerful leadership. It's so that the other person feels stable and well and, and healthy I, and grounded. And I like that. I mean, you know, there's obviously writing about things like posing and, and to kind of amp yourself up. But what I really like about the way you're describing it is this, this is not just something you do kind of for cosmetic effect. This is about connection connection first with the ground, but then ultimately really connection with the audience, yes. which is the starting point for influence and inspiration. Yes, and if we're lev levitating above the ground, so is the audience. Right. Or if yeah. we're moving around, if we're not taking up enough That's space, right. if, we're, if we're restricted, then we can't connect as effectively as we need to. So is that where you start with the grounding? Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I, I get what I get a lot from participants is I feel so much more relaxed. I feel that I'm aware that I'm a breathing organism and I never thought about my breath before. And I know the wonderful Kate Lynch has talked at length to you. About in her, voice, yes. And how critical breathing is. And present that we can't achieve voice without the body first. The body comes first. So before we, we need to have a relaxed instrument that is breathing. So Maggie, that's a really powerful exercise around how to ground your presence, how to, how to eliminate some distractions. And so one area of distraction that clients often ask me about, I'd like your opinion on, that people listening might uh, be interested in, 
is gesturing. Yeah, right. you know, I, I have some clients who come in and say, I gesture so much, so I'm not going to use my hands at all. Yeah. I have others who say, oh, I talk with my hands. What's your take on gestures? <laughs> we need to enlist our arms for gesture. What happens is that people get trapped or they shackle themselves with gesture. So they get trapped in hands on hips. They get trapped in arms behind them. They get trapped with... So they pick one spot and they lock into that. And they lock into that. And then their arms are not the great tools for expression Mm. that they can be. So, you know, if your hand is in your pocket, you're absent from the wrist down. If your hands are behind you, you're absent from the elbows down. We need to stay full frontal present. And if your hands are locked in front of you in a pleading gesture, uh, hands when hands get together, they do very bad things. Hmm, right. So they reveal and betray nerves. They're moving too much. They're distracting. So hands, we don't want to trap the hands. No, we want them to be a tool of emphasis. Is there a risk, though? I mean, some people you see using their hands in ways that are distracting. Is there another end to the spectrum that we want to avoid? What I find is that most people don't use their hands enough. Hmm. It's very rare that someone is flailing around uh, with way too much energy in their arms. What happens is that people gesture and then rather than their default being hands by their sides, their default is in a gesture that they get stuck in. So if you're working with someone who, say, has to present to the board, and they say, Meg, what should I do with my hands? What would you tell them? (laughs) I would say keep them available to you. And what does that look like? That looks like hands that are not locked somewhere, that are open, hands with open gesture, People have used, uh, in uh, consultants at the Humphrey Group have used this image for people. I think it works really well. It's, it's a kind of image of a big medicine ball in your hands. <laughs> that you're holding. So, so that you're holding. So that your hands are absolutely open. Right. But the default should be, don't underestimate how, how powerful and clear you are to simply speak with your hands by your sides. I mean, I felt that when I did the grounding exercise. Yeah. It, is it's very challenging, but it felt powerful. And then you could bring them up to convey an idea. Imagine a, a medicine ball in your hands and imagine that the hands and the arms can be useful in, in describing what you're actually talking about. If you're talking about size or space or, or, or uh, landscape, you know, wide open gestures are beautiful things. Okay, so that's gestures. Let's turn to another important way that you project presence. You've mentioned it. It's eye contact. Eye contact, yeah. What is the what is the secret to great eye contact? Well, it's critical to create and sustain eye contact. And as you said earlier, earlier, too often people enter a room and make beautiful connection with their papers <laughs> and strive to inspire their notes as opposed to <laughs> getting their head up out of the page and making connection. This comes from the mindset that it is more important to be to have perfection with your with your script than connection. We say connection, not perfection. Now, how does that play out in meetings, in boardrooms? So when you're not, for example, giving a talk, what kind of eye contact should you be making there? Constant. Constant. People go away to speak. So they'll I'll be looking at you perhaps, and then I will 
tend, uh, it's possible that a leader will tend to, to go away from you. And before they go to another person, they find this no man's land in the middle of the table or up in the sky or to the left or to the right as they're considering their ideas. I encourage people to go from human to human to human and not go away to speak. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm waxing poetic, going away with my eyes up at the ceiling, uh, trying to muse on something, think about something, People are mirrors. If I'm going away, my audience will go away. Ah, she's not looking at me. Mm. I can actually consider mm -hmm. something else. Now, we can't hold eye contact for an entire sentence, and sometimes we do need to break connection to think. So is there a particular point in the sentence where it's critically important to make that connection? We feel that we need to break the connection. But do we? I propose we have to break it a lot less than hmm. we think we do. I encourage people to realize how interesting they are if they're in connection while they're thinking. You don't have to have the answer right away, but if you stay in connection with someone while you're musing on the answer, right. it's very compelling to stay in connection. It is, and I think you know the point that you make is it's not going to be 100% connection. No. But if we can, but we're most not machines, us, we're not no, machines. We have to go away to think, let's are so low on the percentage of time that we're connected. That's right. Okay, so let's, one last thing we have time to talk about. You mentioned it earlier. It's expression. How do we project presence through our expression? We must consider the value of not simply our ideas, but the value of the words that we've chosen to express our ideas. And too often people are actually just speaking, they give every word value, they give it the same word, the same value, and so that they actually are not making any distinction between the words that they're using and they're asking the listener to extract the operative words in the sentence. Make it easier for them to understand what to think and what to feel about the words. Is that right? That's right. And the way we do that is, first of all, we have to identify what the operative words are in our script. What do we want them to remember? And therefore, we have to send them up in this bigger font on a big old turkey platter. We have to signal to them with our energy, with our pace, with our gesture, what those, what are the important idea, words and ideas. And that's really, I mean, I think that's kind of the common thing I'm taking away here. This is, this concept of leadership presence is about creating intentional connection with an audience so that they can receive your ideas and understand what to think about them and what to feel about them. Yes. Yeah. And it's hard work. It's hard. It's an athletic. It's, it's an athletic act. It is like a sport. And it's an extraordinarily generous act to want to connect. I mean, the act of being present involves giving, and and to give requires effort. And so, if you just do what's most comfortable for you, you're probably not giving enough to the audience. What's extraordinary about it is that when you are present for people, you're not in the future. You're not in the past. It's an extremely vulnerable place. But vulnerability is extremely powerful because you're actually completely open to what you will receive from the other person. And that's powerful. Yeah. And that's leadership. Yeah. Well, Maggie, I want to thank you for coming on the show today and putting me through my paces and giving me more insights into what it is that 
people can do the project presence. It was my great pleasure. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Maggie. I hope you did the exercises as I did and develop more awareness of your own presence and how you can intentionally project leadership. I always get a lot from working with Maggie. She actually helped me early on uh, with my presence when I was working on this podcast. So if you're enjoying it, if you're still listening, that's uh, that's in due part to her. Next week, I have Elizabeth Calder on. Elizabeth is a longtime executive in the C-suite. She's also written on uh, how boards can uh, fulfill their mandates. And I, because she represents both the executives and the board, I wanted her to come in and talk about what you need to think about if you're ever called on to speak to executives, to the board of directors, what it takes to really communicate effectively to these kinds of senior audiences. So tune in next time. 